Sheffield crumpets are just best left just buttered. I wouldn't add jam or anything to a crumpet. I think you'd, some people might make the case for the muffin being like that, the just English muffin, but ah. I would disagree. Okay. I'd say a muffin with honey is improved. Well, you know, you know who hates things on their food? Steve. Let's get the, uh, the expert's view. I love things on my food. No, you don't. I just don't like all the things that Hugh likes on his food, so therefore Hugh I'm and a indeed judge the rest of all weird. humanity. You're in, a, you're in a hipster brunch cafe. Yeah. You're having a crumpet. Yeah. It's seven. Well, no, I wouldn't order, I wouldn't order a crumpet. That's all that's is on it the a crumpet one way? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the crumpet place down the yeah. road. The cafe is called Crumpets One Way. Yeah. In fact, I didn't get the credit I feel I deserved the other week when Hugh made crumpets, because I wouldn't normally eat crumpets, because, but I didn't want any trouble, so I just that, got on later. I didn't want any trouble. I didn't want to fight. Why would you not, not normally crumpet? eat crumpets? Because I'd have an English muffin instead. Okay, all right. Okay. Well, we okay. we've, we've left the crumpet place because okay. the servers were racist, and <laughs> we've, um, we've gone to the muffin place, muffins yep. one way. Uh, what are you having on your muffin? I'd probably have Marmite. Okay, oh! so you are, have, you are having a thin on your muffin. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Butter and marmite. I mean, the wrong fact. thing. But Obviously the yeah. wrong thing, but, you know, it's baby steps. Yeah, but you are having a thin. Or, or I'd have egg, egg and bacon and do sort of like a, a hipster version of a McDonald's breakfast. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, we um, had a little argument about bacon three ways the other week. We didn't have a wrong argument. No, you, you said something you, that was you, wrong. You were wrong. That was incorrect. That, that you disputed. Yeah. Um, well, no, you were wrong. Your boss, Andy Das, yeah. has forwarded an email that was sent to your newsletter. Amazing. Um, by Eric Brinkman, who's in Kimberley, one. Wisconsin. Yeah. And he says this. Good morning, Rory. Uh, not understanding clearly how you don't monitor the mailbox. I recently added Set Piece <laughs> Money to my regular podcast rotation and enjoyed the insightful commentary on both football and bacon. While working on some pre-dawn snow shoveling in our bleak Wisconsin midwinter, I had a thought. Which player is the bacon on their respective Premier League team? By my definition, a bacon player would be one who is not exactly essential to a team's success, but who, by their contributions, raises the level of play as well as the attractiveness and flavour. To my thinking, the most obvious bacon player at the moment is Adama Traore for Wolves, probably because he just read your piece. Um, as a Tottenham fan, I'm struggling to identify... At identify our bacon player this year which is just one of several problems we have we also lost a crisp bacon manager and replaced him with a bowl of soggy bran flakes <laughs> that's from Eric Brinkman I quite like the term bacon player yes I think that might that, that would work as a kind of he, not is quite bacon a luxury the right, is bacon the right the right is, ingredient is there a better word well you're going to do a marmite because we can do a marmite no, well, there's, no, that's completely no, different there's, there's, but it works there's always it? been marmite players it's lazy Bacon. The, the bacon player. Mm. There's something that makes it something better, but you don't necessarily need. And you can have it three different ways. On Chinch. Top of them. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> something Chinch, that makes something better, a, but you don't yes. necessarily need. Chinch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you're a bacon you're player. You're the bacon always, player of the podcast. Always comes back to me. It I'm does. bacon. You're bacon. I'll take that. Yeah. Is that you turning bacon into a verb there? I bacon. No, he said, I am bacon. Oh, right. I am bacon. There could I be a film bacon. in it. There could be a film in it. <laughs> I am bacon. <laughs> Well, if, if, if there's three ways of bacon on top of a crumpet, on. there's six degrees but of Sepa Bacon, Kevin Bacon, isn't there? So, so just to be clear, though, what you gave us was not bacon three ways. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football <laughs> over food. I am Hugh Ferris, and I am in charge. Joining me are Rory Smith, whose Valentine's gift to his significant other will be a poem of beautiful prose written by his fair hand. Stephen Wyeth, whose Valentine's gift to his significant other will be a poem read with his Dalton tones written by Rory's... Uh, delightful hand. And Andy Hinchcliffe, whose Valentine's gift to his significant other will be an enactment of a Jack Reacher headbutt. It won't be. It will be the sweetest of lovemaking. <laughs> I don't need cards. I don't need chocolates. Oh, I express myself Almost with my body. Stop talking about that. Why have you all? Story. Why have you all nearly vomited? <laughs> it happens once a decade, and he won't stop talking about Chich, it. It's you're awful. one of those people <sighs> that give handmade coupons to your other half of Valentine's Day. I do not oh do that. One, one back massage, sensual. <laughs>
Uh, the food is, <laughs> although uh, not necessarily food uh, on our minds at the moment after that deplorable no, thought, no. the food is going to be provided by Rory. I'm going to do you baked eggs. One way. Want to get round to it. Just one way. Yeah, but not with, eight, two but or with, three ways. But with other ingredients. Well, that makes it a second way at the very No, least. it doesn't. Um, the football is, Chinch, uh, do you know what we're talking about today? I do. Tell me again what it was. <laughs> today, Chinch, we are talking about cups. The cups. And mugs. Mainly English domestic cups. Uh, still struggling to match the lofty peak of Everton's 1995 there FA Cup win. How come we've all decided that cups don't matter anymore? And is it our cynicism that has led us to that conclusion rather than any evidence from the actual people winning those cups? You say we. who We around this table? Not or you, Chinch, because obviously we. you are responsible I for love, that lofty peak. I love the cups. Uh, you can get in touch with the podcast, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, we have some more managers most likely too to bring you. Um these are questions where the answer is not Sean Dyche, because Sean Dyche has got enough already. I should tell you that Graham Potter is becoming almost as popular as Sean Dyche <laughs> as an answer to these questions. Uh, they mostly refer to him appearing to be a member of a Britpop band from the mid-90s, so uh, change it up, people, on your Graham Potter answers. Uh, we might have to widen the stipulation uh, with that in mind, but... We have a couple from our NYC correspondent, Ray George, who has been so consistently good with his recent contributions that we hereby designate him a Buffalo. Buffalo. Well done, Ray. Congratulations well done, Ray. to Ray. Um, here are his managers most likely to, where the answer is not Sean Dyche. Manager most likely to wearily sigh quietly to himself and say, sparkling, when asked if he would like a type of water at the table, Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. Manager most likely to consider lead child novels a tad pretentious and impenetrable, Steve Bruce, yep. see his oeuvre striker. <laughs> uh, Ryan Parks has got in touch about our captaincy episode, and more specifically the part about Lionel Messi, where we <laughs> talked about him being captain by default, if you like, because he's just the best player. Uh, he says this, does Ryan, gentlemen, I thoroughly enjoyed yet another episode of SPM. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Ryan. Will do. Before your discussion found its way to the subject of Messi and also Cristiano Ronaldo, I couldn't help but recall an article that I read about Messi some years ago. Thanks to a trusty search engine, I was able to track it down. It was written by Wright Thompson for ESPN. He says, in either 2011 or 2012. The segment of note is as follows. The goalie from his youth team, Juan Cruz Leguizamon. Leguizamon? Leguizamon, I Leguizamon. think, yeah. yeah. One of Messi's oldest friends met us one evening. When Messi is home, we're told, he likes to play soccer both in backyards and on video games. Is Messi always Messi? I asked. He is always Barcelona, Leguizamon said, smiling, and he makes himself the captain. I'm not sure that Thompson Ryan says, expected this line to have the significance that I've attached to it, but it's clear to me that Messi desired the Barcelona captain's armband long before the departure of Xavi and Iniesta, because, uh, because of this, I have always given him the benefit of the doubt when his leadership ability is questioned by the press. While longing to be a leader doesn't necessarily make one, I choose to believe he worked to develop his leadership traits in the dressing room, even if we don't always see it on the pitch. And we do know that he, he does quite often you know, say a few words or whatever before Barcelona players go out. Yeah. For James, although I think, interestingly, it's always the Barca players who say the final few words before they go out for James. It's not actually the manager because the players have all the power. If you had a captain that never said a word but was fabulous on the pitch, is that enough? Yeah, I think it, it could it be. Doesn't have in, to, in it doesn't the have right. to rouse the troops at half-time. It doesn't have to say anything. It's about leading by example on the pitch. In the right context, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob Bennett writes this on an email to gentlemen... And Chinch, greetings from a snowy Chicago. What am America's I then? Hang on. Second city. I'm really envious of all these Americans with snow. Yes, they have snow. In fact, uh, I think Ryan was also uh, from Chicago. So this is two emails in a row from Chicago. We should do a live show in Chicago. Uh, we should absolutely do that. Um, I've been listening to SPM for you nearly a year. You could come up with a, with, a, with a 
an itinerary, couldn't you? I could. <laughs> when are you you're, going on holiday? You're referring to something that we haven't spoken about on no, the I know. podcast, but you when are you desperate on, to when bring you it to everybody's attention. When are you going on holiday? Um, uh, in March. And how detailed is the itinerary that you have already laid out? Currently a day and a half. Okay. How many days are you away for? Eleven. How long will the itinerary be? What, in terms of pages? No, but word yeah, in, in pages, like words. How many words do you think it will be? In the end, it will be nothing because it will be so incredibly comprehensive that it'll be ingrained in our brains. Will you present Gemma with a laminated printout? <laughs> I will definitely do that. And it will have, at the very least, a coupon for some sort sounds of head a massage. Lot, sounds a lot of fun. You've been on holiday with I him? I have, yeah. Is it awful? I think he's got worse. Okay. It, it was a long time ago now. He got, there was, how can he get worse? Look at him. I think perhaps the fact that the holiday with me was so chaotic is what's right. forced him yeah, into yeah, this yeah. sort of holiday yeah, with preparation. Steve, holiday with Steve is like this. If you were to plan an itinerary, travel to destination, wait for Steve to wake up, have breakfast, wait for Steve to wake up after his nap, have a drink, go to bed. That sounds like a really nice holiday. Well done, Steve. I have more than one drink. I, yeah. I, I should make that perfectly clear. Yes, one of them was coffee. Um, so we're back to Rob, who is in America's yeah, second yeah, city. Yeah. I've been listening to SPM for nearly a year, and you've become my pot of choice for treadmill workouts. You've helped me get through these workouts. Though now, whenever I hear Hugh's voice, I have a near Pavlovian response. I begin briskly running on the spot, which is awkward when listening at work. Mm. I also recently began uh, following you all on Twitter and realised that the images of you that I had in my head while listening did not match reality. I thought Rory face was Stephen, and vice versa. For some reason, I was right about which face was Chinch, without any assistance from Google. <laughs> Listening now is a totally new experience. I'm reaching out today to comment on the managerial charisma discussion. That was SPM 162. Rory basically summarised it as a manager having some type of magic that motivates players to achieve results on the pitch, and it's really about maintaining this magic and refreshing players along the way. Oh, I... I object to the word magic, but yes, that's a general. As a Spurs fan, our second Spurs fan of the pod already, I can't help but think this was Maurizio Pochettino's ultimate undoing. He spent five years with the club and as the magic wore off and his owners famously weren't adding new players, his charisma plummeted. Would a better transfer budget, and perhaps a trophy or two, ensure a more Klopp-like charisma for Pochettino? And how much does transfer budget ultimately impact that manager charisma? Keep up the great work and please take it easy on Chinch. Rob in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So... The transfer budget doesn't obviously is a massive factor. If you can buy better players, you have a better team. But I think what's crucial in the context of kind of maintaining charisma is that all managers will tell you that after a few years, the message wears off. the The charisma starts to fade. Players get used to it. We're seeing it at lots of teams at the moment. Um, and the reason, the way that transfers are relevant to that is that if you refresh the squad, the players who come in alter the dynamic they themselves haven't heard the message before it's not boring for them and they alter the dynamic within the squad which means that players are more receptive which is why you need to keep a regular not churn of players but you need to keep keep things you don't want to get stagnant the Sir Alex Ferguson genius exactly. basically this is what Watford this is definitely a philosophy at Watford the Pozzo family that yeah. own Watford they, they change the squad they change the coach and they, I presume the reasons they do that is to keep it fresh keep everyone on their toes because yeah. they don't want it to go stale over three or four years but they took a lot of criticism for doing that they might get relegated this season but it has been relatively successful and it's worked for them for 30 years at Udinese mm -hmm. then they know it's it's a model you don't have to like but that they know it works and charisma needs to be fueled interesting so we're saying freshening up the squad bringing mm -hmm. in new players working again working with the coach that's been there for a while it's the players the no, new but, players coming in working under but it's the, the same coach. it's the same in any situation isn't it so when you first met Nikki she would have been bowled over by your charm mm, not so much but 
after yeah, I've worn it down after five years. Yeah, that charm is a bit is a she's used to it, so it's not. We were talking about this, and she was saying that she feels I do have both charisma and charm, which she felt were very different things. Really? Yeah, That's I was more charming than charismatic. I'd say you're both enormously. Well, I was quite surprised to hear I was either. Uh, from Rob to Robbie. This is from Robbie Wells. Dear Rosa Chinch, and also amongst others. As I listened to Chinch's excellent recount of his uh, Everton initiation in a recent soccer oh. story, I was reminded of one of my darkest moments and was aghast at the level of humour the tale was greeted with. Uh, can you remember, Chinch, yeah, you sang Born to Run, didn't you? Well, I didn't. I tried to, yeah. Uh, there was a monotone rendition of Born to but Run. Ma- but Martin Keown's rendition put me... That, that's the major problem. Uh, well, following him was oh, the problem. Robbie Remind continues. Me, tainted Love. Tainted, tainted, tainted Love is yes. amazing. Very, very good indeed. But mm. Robbie continues with this. In my formative years, I found myself in a student nightclub which offered its patrons the opportunity to sing in the sacred Japanese tradition of karaoke. <laughs> Seeing so many beautiful ladies, <laughs> I knew <laughs> the... <laughs> Is that, that's not. That's not. That's not even close. Karaoke, yeah. Karaoke. Yeah, can, we, can, we, can we say it in a less. Well, no, because he. Piers Morden way. No, because he prefaced it with ancient Japanese yeah, tradition. That's right, yeah. So if he had but said. You have to say it as if you've got a sinus tra- problem. Tradition just, just of it. local Thai restaurant owned by people from Levenshume, that would <laughs> yeah. have been karaoke. It's like Ross from Friends, who is obviously one of TV's most annoying characters, and his karate. Yes, yeah, thing, yeah. Who there? did Ross end up with? Thank you. Uh, seeing Hello. so many beautiful ladies, says Robbie, I knew the only way to capture their imagination and indeed lust was to request the boss's breakthrough 1975 hit. The year being 2010, it was misguided. Not only was the song a female repellent, but Bruce's verses read like that of a drunk man reading a shopping list. In my head, I knew the words. In reality, the words came out on screen in a way which made no logical sense. <laughs> The only saving grace, the lengthy chorus of Tramps Like Us, Baby, We Were Born to Run, is uttered just once in the first three minutes and 40 seconds of the song. I felt that I owed it to Chinch to show solidarity in this, having also been rendered helpless at the hands of this great song. Keep up the great work and hope to see you at some kind of 200th episode spectacular who may want to start working on this, says Robbie Wells. Well, that's the great thing about Springsteen. It is a story. Born to People just think it's just him saying Born to Run lots, like Born in the USA. He says that a lot more than he does say Born to Run. But the story behind it, read the lyrics. Fascinating stuff. Uh, talking of Chinch and his recollections, just, finish, uh, just to finish, you'll remember that you told us about the only game for which you were captain in our captaincy episode. Yep. It was against Liverpool, 3 all. Uh, yeah. Michael Owen scoring a hat-trick. Mm. Sanjay in Singapore asks, Dear all, is Chinch sure that this was the game that he was captain? Both Peter Atherton and Des Walker were playing and mm. Chinch seemed to forgot that he actually scored in the game. No, I did, I did score in that game. I can't have been captain and scored. That's just Roy the Rover stuff. So it might well have been... <laughs> I did actually, as I was talking about it, I'm sure I remember Des playing. And I'm sure, yes. So I might have to find out who that game was. I just, again, I've glorified it. <laughs> I've glorified it and made it clear. It was probably a nil-nil draw against Wimbledon, but I've just kind of, I've ramped it up clearly it's to make straight, it a 3 It's a straight up lie, Chinch. That's no, 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 there. no. It was, a, it was a, a, an understandable mistake, I heard an error on my part. It was a checkable, verifiable yes. fact. Is it true that you were also Romania captain in the 1998 World Cup? <laughs> I... Did I have blonde hair? Yes. Th- yes. That was, yes, I was. You yes. do every summer yes. now. Yeah. Uh, any more fact checks? Cincescu. That was me. <laughs> Cincescu. <laughs> Florin Cincescu. Send those fact checks to sepiespeno at gmail.com. Now, uh, do cup competitions matter? to anybody apart from Chinch. Uh, the FA Cup, the famous FA Cup, the assets of which are its longevity and consistent ability to deliver both drama and magic. What was that about Pavlovian responses earlier? Mm. The BBC tells you, and you agree. Uh, yes, that FA Cup is being stripped back as if it had been bought by a US private equity firm run by Mitt Romney. 
That is 2012 American political satire. No more replays after the fourth round. The fifth round has been moved to midweek and more than the odd scheduling conflict as well. The Carling, sorry, capital, sorry, Carabao Cup. Well, exactly. We don't even know what it's called. And beyond our shores, as we consider the return of the Champions League, are there any preview pieces focusing on the mouthwatering ties included in the Europa League last 32? Hmm. So, do these competitions really mean anything? Or is it a media obsessed with the higher echelons of the game and, in England, the Premier League top six that is guilty of diminishing the importance of the Cups unfairly? Is it their cynicism that is setting the agenda? So, the Cups, do they really matter anymore? The problem the FA Cup has, January was a, was a pretty classic month for debating whether the FA Cup matters. I think in years to come, as we look back on our favourite debates about whether the FA Cup matters, <laughs> we have many. <laughs> January 2020 will will be up there in the same way as like the the 1923 FA White Horse White Horse FA Cup final, the, the Matthews final in which Stan Mortensen struck scored a hat trick and it wasn't named after him for some reason. <laughs> Let, let's name it after the guy who gave the assists. The, um, the 1995 Hinchcliffe Cup the final. Well, yes, Chinch would of course have given Man of the Match, as we well know, to Matthews rather than Mortensen. Would he? I'd have to watch the game back. Or for the first time. If assists are in there, you know I'm a big fan of assists. You do like an assist. I, I do. And without assists, you don't get goals. That's my view. Mm. How many tap-ins did Mortensen have that day? Oh, there were all those. There were all 1950s goals where he sort of head-butted three players <laughs> and the ball bundled over the line as and he pushed he the goalkeeper. the goalkeeper yeah. into the back of the net. Yeah. They were all <laughs> ripped up the post. It's a goal! It's One a, of those kind yeah, of goals, yeah, yes. It's, it's a goal yes. and concussion. Yes. <laughs> he, he scored the 1950s goal three times. The, um, no, so the... There's been this big debate, partly, mainly around, centred around the FA Cup and the fact that Klopp refused to attend Liverpool's replay with Shrewsbury. Uh, Pep Guardiola the week before, I think, had called for the abolition of the trophy that he tries to win really hard every yes. year. And it does seem to be reaching ahead, partly, I think, because we are at, we are at this stage in the 2020s, this is going to sound a bit weird, where there is a lot of jostling for position in terms of what football might look like going forward. So uh, you've got FIFA suggesting new competitions, UEFA are about to launch another another European competition, the Stephen Ross, the guy who runs Relevant, which runs the Inter- Inter- Intercontinental Champions Cup in the summer, wants that to be a more serious kind of competitive thing rather than a, to be used as a as a training exercise. Uh, and there's a sense that something's going to have to give. We've got the AFCON moving back to January. There's a lot of managers now talking about the the workload being placed on elite on elite players, and it's been presented, I think, as a, a kind of Bid boys against the rest. The kind of the the aristocrats have got have already they've already shifted everything so that they get all the money, they get all the players, they get all the attention, and now they're trying to take away replays or the prestige of the cup, and it's just it's further proof that that mo- that that money's all that matters and and that they don't care about the the pyramid and blah blah blah. And I think there's a lot of legit- legitimacy to that, but I think the biggest thing is the cups don't mean anything. That's the, that's the real problem that the FA Cup and the the Rumble House Cup have is that no one really knows I think the League Cup might have a branding problem (laughs) what what they mean that players don't particularly want to win them managers don't particularly want to be in them the idea that it's just the big teams that are kind of undermining the prestige of, of the FA Cup is wrong. If you look at the teams that championship sides put out, they're, they, they're all putting their fringe teams And also out. the teams that have won the FA Cup in recent years as well. Yeah. Like in enough the, have taken it seriously to get through at least to the final. In the fourth round of the FA Cup, at the back end of January, championship clubs on average made more changes than Premier League clubs. And Reading, who 
at the time were mid-table in the championship, equidistant between the playoff places and the relegation places. The genius of their location. Made, yes, <laughs> convenience of the M4 corridor for you. <laughs> Is there an M4 corridor in the championship? <laughs> there is Red, now. That Reading are on it. Reading are on it. Uh, they made 11 changes for a game against Cardiff. I mean, guy, you're not going anywhere, lads. Yeah. The FA Cup's like the one opportunity you've got to give your season some sort of except, significance except that and I think this is something that's it's a minor thing but it's, it really bothers me about the FA Cup the the fact that the bid teams have squads that are good enough to mean they can put put out the reserves in the FA Cup and still beat everybody and still get to the final or the semi-final where they suddenly put out their proper players is is one of the problems because everybody else looks at it and thinks well we can Put a lot, Newcastle will look at it and think we can put a lot of effort into this and then get drawn Chelsea away in the quarter final and we get knocked out and what, what have we got to show for it? Nothing. So what's the point? So that the fact that the big clubs can can make changes initially and then throw everybody else in later, I think makes it less attractive to other clubs to think we can have a proper cup run. And is some of this driven if you look at the, the make of the Premier League and the Championship, if you just look at those two leagues, it seems to be even though you're looking at Reading saying they've got nothing to really play for but they, they have in the championship there is still a chance you can finish in the top six or get relegated and is that if you take the top clubs out in, in terms of the Premier League the rest of the Premier League there's there's opportunities for three or four clubs to maybe finish in the top six the rest of them are thinking about relegation yeah. in the championship it's probably true as well they're thinking about we could possibly get dragged into a relegation battle 10 teams are in that mix and probably half the league are thinking about finishing in the top six so when it comes to the cup competitions is it understandable? Is money the, the, the driving force again? Staying in the Premier League or getting promoted from the Championship or staying in the Championship? That then makes the coaches think the league is everything to us. Even for a, a Championship team in the lower half, he's going to think, well, the FA Cup comes around, the League Cup comes around. Our, in the league, where we finish in the league is the most important thing to us. So they're starting to think like the top Premier League clubs would as well. Is it the makeup of the, of the divisions and also the money that's in, involved in this is causing coaches across the board to think about making so many changes we, in the domestic cups. We should probably say the discrepancy between the prize money in the Premier League and the domestic cups is obviously huge. Yes. And so just from a financial point of view, the maths makes that much more likely that yeah. they care about their Premier League yeah. uh, position. I just wanted to put a case study very quickly and we'll come to Roy in a second. Wigan. Wigan won the cup in 2013, were relegated yeah. the same season. Yeah. How do they feel about that now? I think they feel pretty good. I think they, no question that well, Wigan would take that. We didn't, I, I don't, you don't hear Widden fans complaining about Roberto Martinez taking the cup too seriously. The most famous day in their history. Yeah. They won a trophy. They beat Manchester City in the final. They had a parade. Those memories are etched on but, the minds of supporters but the relegation, for, for all time. The relegation has as much of a long-term effect in that they have not been able to go back up again. So their Premier League status has not been restored. So it did have a significant long-term effect on their status. But you're saying that the long-term effect about the memories of yep. the FA Cup are more significant they might, than that. And they might have gone down the season before. They yep. could potentially have gone down the season after. Wigan were, let's be honest, going to get relegated from the Premier yeah, League yeah. at some point. So why not win the FA Cup along the way? And it also, just happened to be a coincidence those two things happened in the same season. Did they get relegated because they won the FA Cup? I don't think they did. Yeah, I don't. I don't very I, good because they weren't a very good Premier League. I don't buy this argument that I don't. I, I think winning cup games can probably improve your lead form. I think that's probably true. But I do not buy the argument that that winning FA Cup games in January and February and early March has any has any discernible effect for teams that are not in Europe. If you're in Europe, I understand that the, the fixture congestion might get a bit much. But for if you're tenth in the Premier League, there is absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be thinking. Not you might make changes to give players a chance mm -hmm. to play, keep people fresh, but there's no reason that you should be thinking that the cup should can distract from your lead season. I can vaguely understand with teams who are 
say 15th and below really at risk from relegation that they're thinking look we don't need injuries we don't need anything we don't need a humiliation to make morale worse let's just I can understand and what's them. the point of going from the third round to the quarterfinals and then being beaten in the quarterfinals by, by a away, team yeah. with, with huge squad yeah. depth yeah. so I, I get that for them but everybody else I don't understand the championship I actually understand a bit more why they change because they are they should not they will not be thinking realistically we can win this or go to Wembley if you assume that going to Wembley is the big day out that's what everyone wants it's the semi-final most championship teams would not think we can make the semi-final of the FA Cup, whereas most Premier League teams, I think, should be thinking, all right, do you know what? It depends a little bit on the draw. We need a bit of luck in terms of not getting Man City away, not getting Chelsea away, not getting Liverpool away. But we should be able to take on anything else that is presented to us. We might rest two or three really key players so that they don't get injured. I, I get that completely. But why they why they feel that it's okay to rotate so much, I I don't understand. But, but Reading is a good example, though, isn't it? They're at home to Cardiff in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Who knows what the fifth round draw might throw up? Why are you making eleven changes for a game that could set you up for a trip to Anfield, Old Trafford, St James's Park, or to bring one of the big teams to Reading? Those those are galvanising experiences. It's not just about reaching the final it's not just about Wembley anymore because there can be you know I know Reading have been a Premier League club in the not very distant past but they haven't been for a while now and those kind of occasions could have been the sort to galvanise them instead they had a replay away to Cardiff before deciding whether or not they would reach the fifth round and it just seems a bit of a waste 11 changes and, and a momentum stopper potentially yeah. if they if but they're, their but they're thinking about even though you say it can't happen it has happened to Reading in the past they've gone on a storming end of season run and actually got promoted to the Premier League mm. so I'm not saying it'll happen again with, with this Reading team but th- clearly if you make 11 changes to your team it's because you're thinking about the league and teams in the Championship wherever they are in the Championship I think along those lines you mentioned Wigan I covered the, the Aston Villa Leicester Carabao Cup I was going to semi-final second change. leg yes. I spoke to very Villa fans yes did, did a very but, very good and job. I said to Villa fans we had talk, the volume turned down but did you? yeah the pictures were great and also there was no need for you to join in that uh, pitch invasion naked ah did you see the graphic I got in about Matt Target? Did you see the, you, the, the run you, that he made? You did you see this? On the pitch afterwards. No, 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 no. That was that's that's. Uh, I think you can actually pay to see that. But uh, yeah, I got something in there. Kind of uh, a lot of people probably didn't notice, but my, the reason I put it in there was for people to notice it. But they didn't seem to. I said, "Oh, do you see that that graphic we built where I showed the run that Target made and why he made?" Oh, the and run at, at half time. No, no, not at half time. Oh, that's within the, only the game. Part, that's the only yeah, part yeah. I watch. You see, I don't oh, really care about come what the kind on. of commentators say. In game analysis, I'm man. Sorry come on. If I said the wrong thing. You I have know, said the wrong thing. It, but I thought it was an advert for FIFA. Oh, shut up. Anyway, so I was talking to Villa fans and I put that question to him, Wigan. If you were Wigan, would you take? Winning the Carabao Cup, if you got relegated, they said absolutely not. Now, is this just Aston Villa compared to Wigan? No disrespect, but clearly Villa in terms of the size of their club. They said it doesn't matter whether we lose at home to Leicester today, don't get to the final as long as we stay in the Premier League. So fans are then, they're not really questioning when coaches are making 10-11 changes. They're not saying, hang on a minute, isn't this a competition we should win in the semi-final? They're thinking about their Premier League survival. So if the fans are thinking on, on that score, we're normally... Surely winning something, some silver would be great. That's what fans surely go to games yes, to, and, and they, to go to. But they, they're not even bothered about that. They they're bothered about the staying in the Premier League. They invaded yeah, the Yeah, but pitch they didn't know what they were thinking. They were just high on, they've been having Harry Bows or something. They, do you know what fans are like? They go the, crazy at the end so, of a game. But this is, the, this is the, the element of the cup competition that we need to consider. That If you do, you are one of those teams who is threatened by relegation or has other um, priorities, that when you do get to Wembley for a cup final, it seems to be exciting enough for a pitch invasion. I think they the did the that because that's what 
fans do when you win a semi-final and get to Wembley. Yeah. And when you it's not that they're, oh my God, we've got to Wembley. Right. We, they're going to play Man City and play cynical. Man City and going to probably get through. They don't care. They, I think they do it because that's what you do at a semi-final when you if win. Last, the, last minute winner. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. scored the winner on the Oh, the yeah, they did. Sorry, I was there. Yeah, they did get a last minute winner. Yeah. So the, I think the, the two things we, we should it probably address... Are, um, <laughs> but not David Trezeguet, which is very confusing. Although the, he is named that's after That's why he's named David after him, Trezeguet. which is nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. He has a really long, excellent name, and it's Trezeguet, which I am against in yeah, principle. On, and on if I see him, yeah. I will speak to him and very... Yeah, I'll probably slap his face. Yeah. <laughs> the, we should probably talk about the money. So the, the, the stat that's always wheeled out is you get 3.6 million for winning the FA Cup, and you get 110 billion for winning the Premier League or whatever. <laughs> but the key thing for... Th- the non-top six teams. The basic, I think the, the, the way the top six handle it is that they will play their reserves in the cup for as long as they can before they either get knocked out or get so far in the competition or drawn against such a good team that they have to put out their proper players. I, I think there's a difference between teams within the top six as well because if you think about Manchester City, their reserves are, they have 19, 20 first team players who yeah. they can rotate. So they, they rotate rather than actually have a shadow yes. team. Whereas yeah. other, And it's all about squad depth and that comes back to the money issue. Can you afford to buy players who you are able to give this game time to yeah. because they're all very good and they need it? The top six should be exempt from the conversation about the Cups going forward. Yes, we, yeah. No agree. decision should be made on the but basis of want, Cups yeah. on what Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola think. Yes, their opinions are valid because of who they are and their status within the game. But 700-odd teams started the FA Cup. Yeah. So what Jurgen Klopp thinks about abolishing replays mm-hmm. at the fourth round stage is irrelevant. Yes. Except that Oxford now have nine games in February. Which and Tramir had yeah. six which is, games. Well, Tramir is partly weather related. I think Carl yes, Robinson did come out of the Oxford yeah. head coach and said this is this is ridiculous. So that but is, the, I don't I don't agree with what with Klopp's stance, and I think there's, there's, you're right. There's a difference between rotating and putting out your reserve team, and there's a difference between rotating, putting out your reserve team, and putting out your academy team. And I don't I don't think there's a logic for for Liverpool choosing to do that. I don't think it makes sense to say Liverpool have plenty of players who have not played enough to to need a winter break. And it's not a squad issue as it was for the Club World Cup when no. they were supposed to register yeah, the right amount the of players club, The prior Club World Cup was completely understandable. They, they did basically what they had to do. I think Klopp is made, trying to make a bigger point. And this is something that he's talked about a lot for two or three years. And I think he's right that they are, between the Premier League, the FA, UEFA, FIFA, everybody, they, Con Mabal, who, keep playing, who play the Copa America every year, just constantly play. The, you're, you're never more than 20 minutes away from a Copa America game. It's insane. The... Klopp, Klopp has got a bee in his bonnet, and I think rightly that elite players are being are being yeah, drained yeah, yeah. too much by competitions who are only interested in making money or organising bodies. Cut out that gagging. But that doesn't does make that make the competition money. wrong? Does that mean the competition it, should, should suffer or be scrapped? Well, that's the big question. No, not it, because Conmebol insists on playing the, the Copa America every year. We shouldn't have to get rid of the FA Cup or yeah. whatever. But I think that in terms of replays, you need to look. You can you can take a broader view and say that if if you're getting to the stage where Oxford in lead one have got nine games in the shortest month because they've done quite well in the in the Carabao and they had a replay with Newcastle in the FA Cup, they then you say actually do you know that this isn't just an elite thing this is asking too yeah. much of players that we need to someone needs to think replays are an anachronism. There is no the, the the magic of the FA Cup in inverted commas is not related to the fact that there are replays. The question is, if you abolish replays, how do you make up the financial shortfall? And this is what I was going to say, that people always say, oh, it's, you know, you get 170 million for winning the Premier League, 3.6 million for winning the FA Cup. That's not relevant, because as Steve says, take the top six out of it. What they, what they want doesn't really matter. 
what 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 is healthy certainly for the rest of the leads is what's important in terms of the cup. And the problem is that you get three point five million, whatever it is, for winning the FA Cup, but each place in the Premier League is worth an additional eight, nine, ten million. So for mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. yeah. if you're West Ham, or not West Ham, are a bad example, but if you're whoever's tenth, Arsenal, if you're <laughs> Arsenal, the if you're Wolves or someone Burnley. If you're Burnley and you're mid-table in the Premier League, not really at risk of relegation, it it makes no financial sense for you to to focus on the FA Cup because you will get eight or nine million pounds more if you finish one place higher in the Premier League, even if that's eleventh to twelfth. So from that point of view, the the FA Cup can't compete. But I do think it doesn't exclusively come down to money. I think the way of solving the FA Cup's problems and the League Cup's problems are not exclusively related to money. At the risk of sounding like a Luddite, though, you're a, a club's success and its history is driven by what they win. It's yep. not driven by, yeah, we went out of the FA Cup of the fifth round that season, but we finished ninth rather than 11th in the Premier League. So to use the Burnley example, I just don't, you know, I don't buy into that. I think you've got to, at some maybe somewhere along the way, you, you make a sacrifice. So you think, well, you know, there's so much money swilling around anyway that those couple of places in the Premier League are not more important than occasionally if you ha- if you have got relative security in terms of your top flight status to have a go at winning a cup. And there are and there are ancillary benefits to winning a cup because you will you will increase your sponsorship revenue. You may well increase your season ticket sales. You you might find brand identity, brand identity in a global all world. that stuff. You might find that you're on TV more the next season. If you if you're the if you're the FA Cup winners, then maybe a few more of your games are picked up, which is worth X million pounds mm-hmm. to a club over the course of a, of a year. Liverpool have been on TV more than anyone else the last year or two and earned more from TV. Uh, in 2018-19 than any other club because they're on TV all of the time. Some would say far too much. But if you're so if you're Burnley, maybe if you, you know you spend the season as FA Cup winners, you're still in the Premier League. Maybe you're on TV a little bit more. Maybe it's not just that you get 3.5 million pounds in prize money. Maybe it's that you get an extra 10-15 million quid in value. Obviously, the, the the broader conversation is about you know we can take it into European football, international football. This insistence, of course, you know. CAF are perfectly entitled to have the Africa Cup of Nations when they want to play it, but having it every two years rather than every four years surely should be worthy of debate. All we can really, from English football's point of view, is concentrate on things domestically. And it's, it, it isn't necessarily about the value of any one competition in particular. It's about how many games we're asking our teams yeah. to play. And nobody is willing to make a compromise. Mm-hmm. You have to have 92 teams. That's tra- that's the tradition. Unless one of them happens to be very badly run by somebody without the money to back up their their thought processes, in which case they're allowed to go to the wall. It, you've got to have a League Cup with two-legged semi-finals because that's the tradition. You've got to have an FA Cup with replays because that's the tradition. You've got to play the FA Cup for third round on the first weekend of January because yeah. that's the tradition. Which yeah. is that, yeah, we, yeah, which is which is a tradition which no longer fits in yeah. with the way that the rest of the football calendar is laid out. So you, you've got to start thinking, what are we asking, not just what we're asking of our elite clubs, but what we're asking of, of all of our clubs. I did the Coventry-Birmingham fourth round tie, the, the original tie, absolute 
So bad, in fact, that it didn't make it onto match of the day. Because sometimes nil-nil nil draws, nil-nil draws can be I, really, I really enjoyable. But this one, this one was not. No, I had nothing. Not, I, yes. It was okay. the game rather than my commentary. I hasten. That's to what they told you. Well, there wasn't there a there was a, a howler of a miss. Which there was a howler of a miss. Had wife Callum, commentary on it Callum in O'Hare. a highlight yeah. section. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was that really was the buzz of social media the day after. Callum O'Hare should have rendered the need for replay unnecessary. But Coventry. Let's forget what the elite teams are doing. Coventry, 15 games from the start of December to the start of February. Averaging what, a game every four days. This is the prep that never made it to air, by the way. Yeah. No, no, get this, it out is, there. this is subsequent <laughs> because I knew we were going to have this conversation. By the 1st of February, they'd played 39 games in all competitions. Mm. 39 games in six months. Is that because of the, the EFL Trophy? And and EFL but trophy that, it's a success, though. No, because that, that's just reaching the fourth round of the FA Cup and having to play in the EFL Trophy. Yeah, but if, you, if you're successful and you keep winning, it's the price of success is you keep going yeah, on, you well, keep going on, you've got more yeah, and more it's games. It's a group stage in the, the EFL Trophy, picked, isn't there? So I they picked, have to play them. I picked Coventry because they're a team that is currently languishing below where they would consider mm. to be their natural. But like Wigan, a famous season. FA Cup uh, win in 1987. Well, so, so I bet so, they're pleased about that. So to rest- <laughs> yeah, so the, go on. So just, I, I just think we, we need to say, hang on, we cannot have... 46 team championships, League One's League Two, two EFL Cup run competitions, and the FA Cup. Something has got to give. Well, Somebody it's... has got to make a compromise because if you could just, you know, so much debate about winter, winter breaks. I don't think we necessarily need a winter break. We need to be thinking about how many games we're asking our teams at all levels to play during the course of a season mm-hmm. and say, is there a small change or a change we can make somewhere along the line which just enables us to spread this out a little bit more? And I would suggest that one of those two Football League run competitions has got to go and I would suggest it needs to be the League Cup because that would give the FA Cup more room to breathe during the course of the calendar and would then increase the significance that we could place upon that competition because therefore you would have a where domestically you had a league to play for and a cup and that would give both competitions a level of prestige they don't currently have given that Jurgen Klopp in particular has talked about the amount of games that elite players are playing is the limitation not or should the limitation not be on the amount of games that players, individual players play, rather than the amount of games that clubs play, because it's time to bring up the NFL. Whoop whoop! I'm sure everybody had been waiting for this, but the NFL has has a collective bargaining agreement which essentially says that players must play only a certain amount of games for health reasons. Now, I appreciate that that football is not centralised in that way, but were there to be some sort of agreement between the, the, the CBAs, between the NFL and the the players' union? Um, of American football players. So could there be some sort of understanding? Now, a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, there was a big FIFA Pro conference where basically nothing came from it. But could there not be some sort of global agreement where there is a number of games set as a limit for players to play so that you can have as many as many competitions as you want? The EFL can have two. FIFA can have two. UEFA can have 73. They're going to add a third at some point. Would there not therefore be sense in saying... Mohamed Salah or Kevin De Bruyne or players who are playing at those clubs who are likely to play the most games internationally and for those clubs can play 50, 55 games a year and therefore it is up to the managers who are already managing those resources and thinking about game time and minutes played they are able to not only legitimise those changes so that they're not criticised it also takes the argument away from those who are criticising them Uh, I think that is something that you might see 
suggested by someone quite high profile relatively soon. Excellent. I did not know that. Rory did. Great teamwork. Uh, in fact, so relatively soon that they might have done it before we uh, <laughs> get around <laughs> the before we release this podcast. I think that, that I think that's a really sensible <laughs> idea. I think that makes perfect sense to say that there is a a flexible, depending on the player, level to at which you say, right, you can play this number of games a year. My worry would be that the clubs would set it so high that they'd never hit it. It would be 60 for everybody. But there are... 65, if you're you're very good in everything, 65 is pretty much the... You top out at 65. Club games, but then you've got the international International games as well. well. And they want to add more of them. Yeah, because it's a player-related decision, not a club-related decision. If it's 60 games, that includes your international but fixtures you can't, as well. you can't let the players decide it because the players will say... No, 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 I'm not saying the 65. players would decide it, but I'm saying somebody would decide yeah. for a player's representation in all of the teams that they, that they play for. The, the, the problem with that idea is that, unlike the NFL, and we really shouldn't be taking our lead from the NFL on this, I don't think, is that there is a, a finite number of games mm-hmm. in an NFL season, whereas that is not... Really, you maybe, can't you can't map that out. Link up into the NFL. Yeah, that, that would that would spice <laughs> things up. Yeah, midweek games. We've got to use the floodlights. <laughs> but they think, for example, they're thinking of restructuring it so that there are fewer preseason games and more regular season games. But that will have to go through that negotiation because they want to get a situation where yes, there are more meaningful games played by those players who have a finite number of, bl- of games allowed but also to make sure that they are protected physically so that they aren't always playing these meaningful games because, of course, preseason games. Elite players can miss and only play one quarter in, for example. But but you just you know you haven't got a situation in the NFL where if they have a a, a good cup run, you know they they might end up playing more games. Or you know in the intercontinental NFL series, you know they they do well in that. Suddenly you know it's another seven games. But, but you'd for, argue that every game is meaningful because of that because they haven't got a proliferation of competition. Yeah, but what, you, you, it'd be really difficult to set a number of. It would be a challenge to set a number of games in in soccer per season because you don't know at the beginning of the season how many games Games you're going to play. You don't know how successful you're going to be. You don't know how deep you're going to go into Europe. You know, Wolves might have anticipated that, that they would fall out of the Europa League group stage but suddenly they've got extra games to play in that competition what can you adjust it mid-season if you're doing particularly well in in Europe and in one of the domestic cups it it, it feels as though although that is a potential solution we need to have a more sensible conversation about the number of games in a season and that would give managers then a bit more flexibility as to to how and when they use their players and surely the clubs wouldn't want to give up the control of of their assets and what they're yeah. they're paying them, they don't want to be told whether a player can play or not. There's so I understand a, it for the, for the health benefits of the players. FIFA I prior that. Yeah. about that, haven't they? So for, for the good I of the players, there is a framework is. upon which you can build yeah. to, to yeah. get somewhere. So it's, it's a discussion worth having, but I think it will be tricky because the clubs would want ultimate control on yeah. on who, on how many, whether you play sixty-five or fifty-five. It's down to us because we're paying these guys, and we we kind of with the science behind the game as well. We don't need to be dictated to. So there's, there's the, one of the things you quite often hear about this is that it, it doesn't matter that. That, that you know they're athletes that players used to play all the time anyway that you know the sports science blah 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 should be better now it's it shouldn't be a problem I think the two reasons it, it is a problem one is that you're you're putting the players at risk by overburdening them the game is much more intense much more athletic than it is now they are more finely tuned than they used to be which means they are more susceptible to small niddling injuries that can have longer kind of compounded effects and the second is that in there's a two A and a two B is that a the product suffers. The more you ask them to play, the worse they play. There's no question about that. And B, I think that there's a lack of appetite for it. Guardiola complained about the um, 
the Etihad not being full for the Fulham game and then apologised for it in a very sarcastic way um, by saying something about he apologised for it by criticising the Man City fans again which I thought was very interesting uh, somebody needs to tell Pep Guardiola there is fixture congestion not only in the lives of players and managers well it, no exactly but this is really important that obviously part of that is financial that fans can't afford to go to loads of football matches the whole time but also you get a bit bored if I'm honest there's been football on TV every night for about three weeks it is there comes a point where fans don't don't really want to watch that much football there's this I mean it's the, you come back to it a million times in the course of a season but that Mitchell and Webb sketch that that was must have been like 20 years ago now, but was incredibly prophetic about spoofing a Sky Sports kind of preview of football. The football is on all of the time. There is no end to the football. And it's true. I think that football needs to be conscious of... It's not quite killing the golden goose. It's kind of pumping the golden goose for as many eggs as possible until you flood the market with eggs. And everyone thinks, I hate eggs. I can't stand eggs. <laughs> Although your bag face are going to be <laughs> yeah. absolutely the, delightful. But the other thing that, that I think is... is a, really low expectations. <laughs> is a really important thing to, to mention is this conversation about this endless conversation about the the, the the cup still matters and this is what the cup means and blah blah the cup doesn't mean what it used to mean and you yearning for your childhood will not change that the reason that people of our generation are the last generation really who bang on about oh isn't the cup great oh shouldn't we restore the magic is because when we were kids the cup was the only game on t- the cup was the only football on TV. You you had the big build up to the game on to, to the final. We saw Ian Wright getting a haircut and Andy Hinchcliffe in his jazz pants or whatever. And the I can't remember, jazz pants. I'm sure you were wearing some jazz pants. What, what was it? In the what was your hotel. nightwear the night before the? Uh, the I always final? sleep naked just, just oh, in yes, case. Did you have the BBC? <laughs> I, I in, forgot about that. Just in case, but not when I'm rooming with Matt Jackson. <laughs> did you have the, what? Did you have the BBC in the hotel? Uh, yes, I think there was some, but again, I, I think I told the story. We weren't really kitted out. We kind of approached it as if we were kind of a bit of a pub team playing in the FA Cup final, where which in all you the were. other t- which we were, <laughs> we, we did win it though. Um, but and all the other teams had the kind of immaculate suits and all the kind of leisure wear in the hotel. If you see, I'm sure there's in, in, in the build-up, there's it shows us in the hotel, and we're all just dressed completely different. It just looks, it's just like a bunch of idiots yeah. that they said, by the way, tomorrow you're playing in the FA Cup final. So we all remember that and we remember how special Cup final day was and I remember going to like birthday parties in May and, and making sure there was a TV set up to watch the Chelsea United final in 94, yeah. I think. And it was special to us but it's not as special as it used to be because there's loads of football on television because the European band's over so teams are in Europe because we all get to watch a lot more football and we all get to see a lot more football and we know that we know that other football is is available. It, it it doesn't have a. It's not got a protected place in the market anymore. So it's not as special as it used to be. You yeah. can't. No matter how much you complain about that and say, "Oh, the cup's still magic," not in, it might still it it might be, still be a completely valid competition, but it's not it's not ever going to be like it used to be. So stop stop comparing it to what came before because it will always make the cup look bad. We need to find a, a way of giving meaning to the modern FA Cup, not to giving, to forcing it to be, oh, it's just like 1970 and Ronnie Radford. Yeah. It can only be as magical as the significance with which it is given within the current landscape. And that's why we need to do something yeah, about, no, about the, forcing it. Is, yeah. is so if you, look, you look at that Ronnie Radford goal, it, what that people today, youngsters today, to say a twenty would look at that and say that's that's it's not a different football. Sport. Look at the yeah. pitch, look at the crowd, look at the kit. Everything about it was clearly of another age. So I think you're right. Again, it's kind of making the domestic cups twenty twenty. This this is what it's about. So I think it's not are, the FA Cup nineteen seventy. And I think there are things you could do to help. I think that abolishing replays, 
but in exchange, the FA haggling with the Premier League to say that we want the solidarity payments up to the lower leagues. Does they're pathetic given what given the amount of money sloshing on the Premier League, or, or having seeding where you have the, the the home the home team always being the lower ranked team, which they do in France and other places. But if they're, yeah, they're, if, if they're separated by two divisions in France, if there's right. a two division yeah. gap, so I mean, like West Ham, West Brom in the fourth round, which was dressed up as a as a shock. There's five places separating them in the lead, in the lead lads. That's not a, that's not an FA Cup shock. West Ham losing is never a shock. The but yeah, if you had, you could potentially do that, and in that case, you would maybe say that. The, all of the revenue goes to all of the ticket revenue goes to the the lower end team, or you, yeah, you just increase the solidarity. You just say, right, we will get rid of replays for you. That's what you want, but you have to not just double or treble, but quadruple. I think they give sixteen million pounds to lead one every season. There's no reason that the Premier League couldn't give them fifty million quid. How about offering a choice? You draw it as an open draw, and then if the team is two divisions or more below, but there is uh, an option given to that team if they are drawn away from home, they can either have the game at the bigger side but have some sort of increased amount of the receipts mm. or they get to have it at home where the receipts obviously have been massively reduced but they might more likely get it on television which might so they, they've yeah. got an opportunity to at least and they might get through choose yes they might choose their own destiny in, in that in that regard and then that might be a situation where they feel at least part of the decision making I, I feel like that's shoot de- that down why no, I just feel like it's a demonstration of how deep the hole is that we've been digging ourselves yeah. so for refreshing for 2020 uh, yeah, mm. but a, a competition has to be the integrity of the competition has to be that you know the way it's going to play out at the start of that competition. Yeah. This idea where you can have replays in some rounds but not it's others. Nonsense, yeah. VAR at some grounds and not others. Yeah. The, the, the competition has got to be what it is when it sets off. So yeah. therefore, no, when the teams are drawn, the team that's drawn out first plays at home, the, the team that's drawn out second plays away. If the original tie-in's in a draw, you have a replay in Ooh, each do round. Do you not- know what you could do? You could make it full retro. You could say that there's no squad numbers or sponsors on the shirts and you're not allowed any substitutions. That'd be good. And what, just, just turn it into a battle royale? <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is, this is the thing. Like People don't, oh, the tradition of the cup. The yeah. tradition okay. of the cup is that, Here we go, then. is that there used to be nine replays in Everybody's every round. Everybody's got to have mullets and sideburns. So there we go. And there, there were no <laughs> substitutions. That's what football was like. Play it with a heavy ball. Do you know what I mean? Play it on a mud bath. Yes, deliberately no, churn up your pitch No prior. grass in the FA Cup. <laughs> no, no grass, no showers prior to the game. No, I th- I, but Steve's right. You, you can't arse about with with the structure of the competition I, I don't like the idea of, of I don't mind a rule saying the lower ranked team always plays at home first because it gives them a better chance of getting through in the same way as uh, yes alright replays you lose the payday of the big you know the big trip to Old Trafford but you've got a much better chance if you're a lead one team of beating a Premier League team if it's over 90 minutes and not over 180 yes, 180 they will get the Premier League team chances are will get away with it the other thing that's obviously always held up as being particularly magical about the FA Cup or traditionally has been third round. And as we've already discussed, the problem is at the moment it's shoehorned into the calendar after the crazy December, yeah. Christmas, New Year schedule. And that's why I think if we have a look at, at the number of competitions and therefore the number of games that we're playing, the opportunity to perhaps pull the FA Cup third round back a little bit in the season, maybe sort of the end of November, beginning of December, where therefore it could be given that prestige again, that standalone moment in the season, that ability to sort of take take stock, take a deep breath, right, a break from the the norm, the the slog of the league. Here's the FA Cup, different competition, new approach. You know whether or not you're going to have replays. We can you know that that conversation can be had, but this is suddenly an opportunity to shine a light on it again, and the third round would still be the third round it would still have the same number of teams and it. it would still have the same potential for drama and upsets it would just be getting played at a stage of the season where it 
will have that opportunity to claim the spotlight rather than coming two days after a, a big Premier League game that had been held over from New Year. You could easily just force, the, again, as part of the renegotiation, if the FA goes to the, go to the Premier League and say, we will do some stuff to help you out here, but you take away the third game over Christmas and New Year, we do not need that game. So, if right, we're talking about maybe making adaptions to the domestic cups. If we had a straight choice, if you go around the table saying, should we get rid of one or both of the domestic cup competitions, a straight yes or no, you, you would say keep them both or adapt them both or drop the League Cup and adapt the FA Cup? How would you... Or, or just scrap them completely? Scrapping them completely is a, is a no-no. Not scrap the FA Cup. I could probably be persuaded to get rid of the, to get rid of the League Cup. Steve? Yeah, I would get rid of the League Cup in a heartbeat. Hugh? Yeah. I'd, I know I'd, I'm taking over here. and no, I, I like it. It's not, it's like it's it not my much. role. I, I nice just think it's a straight breather. yes or no. People are going on about the Cups. Well, if you were just to cut them, no, would, would fans say, a majority of fans would say, yeah, let, let's just get rid of my, it. My, my reticence is based on the fact that there are plenty of moments that have arrived upon clubs in the League Cup, which is memorable enough to make it worthwhile. I'd, yeah, going I'd, forward. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily willingly get rid of it but I think you maybe need to change the League Cup so that it's got a clear purpose so I, I'm a, I don't know if did I mention this or did it was it something I said in my head but I think squad lists I think you should have to name squad lists for the tournaments I think you should the club should have to say so not just for Europe and the Premier League yeah you have to say these are our players for the for the FA Cup and if you don't use those players then you should be in some way be punished. You should be, if so. If you want to leave Kevin De Bruyne out of the FA Cup, because you you can't suddenly in the semi finals decide right, we want, we want yeah. Kevin De Bruyne now. I think that might that might be a start. And that way, and I do wonder with the League Cup whether you say that there's there have to be, I don't know. It's an EFL competition. Maybe what six homegrown players on the pitch. You you turn it into a. Mm-hmm. There's there was a lot of people after what happened in the second leg of that Aston Villa Leicester tie, saying you know, last minute winner. Fans on the pitch, many people on social media, this is why the League Cup's great. This is why two-legged League Cup semi-finals are fantastic. You can't judge a competition or anything in life by those what occasional moments of brilliance. In the yeah. same way that you can't say, we should get rid of the Champions League, because actually that final between Tottenham and Liverpool last season was a bit drab, really, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, let, let's let's do something different with the Champions League because the final didn't live up to expectation. Well, in the same way, you can't say yeah. you can't keep the the League Cup in the format it's in because Leicester and Aston Villa turned out to be thrilling over the course of two legs. Well, it, it, it was thrilling in the last minute of a game, yeah, yeah. which was rendered insignificant. And you can have the both. first. The first. Yeah. The first leg was one-one, so it was completely irrelevant. We should have both the Premier League because Newcastle Bournemouth finished nil-nil. Uh, and remember, sometimes football is really exciting, and sometimes football isn't. So you've got to try and yeah, remember. But, and Steve's totally case. right. Like it's no more valid to say this is what cup mean. This is what the cups mean when you see a pitch invasion at Villa, than it is to say this is what the cups mean when you see an empty stand at Birmingham Blackburn. And yeah. the you know grounds that have, they've, where they've only opened one end because they can't they know they're going to get four or five thousand people through. Wh- which one is it? Certainly, don't judge the FA Cup on Coventry nil, Birmingham nil. <laughs> it is now time for Nevermind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story! This is when Andy Hitchcock tells the tale from its playing days, with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Am I right in saying the the soccer stories people really really enjoy them? They do. Their the humour is clearly there, but there's the the human aspects of some of the stories I mm-hmm. tell uh, appeals. Does it? I tell about myself. Yeah. One of the greatest Window English players ever. It, yes, oh, this sorry, is. Did I crash your, uh, this is what I wanted to. This is what I wanted to talk about because we're in an age now where we're, we're talking. We humanised the footballer. We're talking about the, the kind of physical and mental problems that, that go along with with being a footballer. And 
in thinking about this, sitting at my, my own expensive kitchen table, more expensive than Rory's, I was thinking about my own career and whether, you know, things that I did that I took as just part of my personality were, were, were simply that, or was the way that I carried on influenced by the, the job that I did? Was I suited to the job that I actually did? Because I've talked about this thinking about Chinese, ordering Chinese meals during the course of a game, and I'm just thinking again, very humorous, but again, is, is that just down to me? Have I told you about the, the tying and retying of my shoelaces? I have, I, in, have I mentioned that before? about passing, how I would, you might have done, yeah. I would, Even though they weren't loose, I would untie them and then tie them again an even number of times. I think you have mentioned it, not, not as part of an official yes. soccer story. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but again, so I'm presuming, okay, I just took this as maybe it's a bit quirky. This is something that I did. And also, what really, I, I do love hoovering. I've always loved hoovering. Prim and I do lots of, she has her own little hoover that clearly doesn't work, but th- she thinks it does, but she's too, she's an idiot. Um, so I have my, <laughs> my excellent Dyson. It is a Henry. Excellent. It is a Henry course, with all the accoutrements. Um, but before I used to go to a game, Say I was leaving at three o'clock kickoff, which never happens anymore. I was leaving at, say, half ten in the morning. I used to have to, have to, hoover the whole house before I left. Now, clearly, it didn't need doing. Because, that well, we had two small kids, so it did need doing. But it didn't need doing to the level that I did it. So, presuming I was doing all this. Is it about control? I've read into this a little bit as well about obsessive compulsive behavior. A lot of it is if you feel out of control in certain areas of your life, you have to make up for it in other ways. So like doing this, the hoovering, the, the tying and retying of laces, the distraction of thinking about chicken chow mein during the course of a game in the final 10 minutes. Presuming this was maybe my way of controlling my world when I was out there on the football pitch, because I wasn't necessarily, and I know this, I wasn't necessarily built and that comfortable stepping out in front of thousands of people playing against. So you have to cope with it in a certain way. And it can't have just been me. I hope to God it was not just me. There must be players, and you hear about players now talking about depression and addiction, all the problems that they have and not necessarily enjoying playing the game. So I just looked back and I just thought, well, maybe that was just me and no one else. And everybody was very, very different and went into it, kind of skipping along to work and, and loving the game. So I'm feeling a bit better that actually maybe the job that I did forced me to behave in a certain way. And I don't do it anymore. I have certain things that I do for my work now, preparation. But I don't go to the extremes that I did when I was in my 20s and, and early 30s. Presuming all these things are about control and nervousness and being scared of... In, in a team sport that so much can go wrong that you're not in control of. So you control the controllables, the tiny things, the things that seem irrelevant to other people were really important to me. But hoovering the house, I used to get up extra early to make sure I could have my shower get changed so I could hoover the house before going playing against Man United. Well, big game. So isn't that kind of, again, there, there must be... worrying about the dust when, when you... But it, it's, it, it doesn't make... It's pointless, to isn't it? Lee Sharp. It's not something you would do. You wouldn't hoover the house before going to a game to write a big story, would no, you? No, but... Do we all have these control yeah, mechanisms? Yeah, yeah. And there's a reason why maybe footballers behave in this way. Is it because of the the fact you are front and centre and the spotlight that you're under. Is it worse for, for players now? Because they are scrutinised completely. And with social media as well, they, they maybe take a lot more to heart. So in other words, do they have to find levels of control that maybe football doesn't give them? Because they look like it, it comes easy and, and everything is absolutely planned and everything's fine and you're really comfortable with yourself. I was never that person. So maybe looking back, is this why I behaved in the way that I did? I think it's probably trying to... You're in a situation that you know you can't control fully, so you take control of whatever aspect of your life you, you can control. I think mm. that's it's that. co- coping mechanism, it's isn't coping it? Mechanism. It's, yeah. it's, it's understandable that yours might have been magnified because of the the situation you were attempting to cope with. Yeah. So it's understandable that you might have gone to a an extreme because the situation that was to follow was pretty extreme. I mean, well. to be fair, it's not that extreme, is it? Andy Hinsliff, my hoovering hell, is not... <laughs> no, but to me, if I 
if I didn't do it, it would it would seriously so give us an example of a, a time that you didn't do it. it. Well, it, it never happened because I'd always plan it. So even though I've got two kids, kids in the morning, and you're just thinking, how on earth could you fit? The, that was why are you looking at me like this. I, I'm just wondering where the deep bit for became, away games, chinch in the hotel at an away game. I, I a, that's like, a strange thing. It was something I did at home, but when I travelled away, I was very uncomfortable though in hotels, and that wasn't just. Matt Jackson and his, his kind of cleaning habits. Um, so was, he had the cleaning habits when you went away and showered. No, his cleanliness, not his cleaning. His oh, cleanliness. Right. His cleanliness was, did it leave something to be designed? He, he needed to shower more. So you're, uh, sleeping, I, you're sleeping naked and Matt Jackson is the one causing you to be uncomfortable? He wasn't uncomfortable in any way. It's clear from the smile on his face that he was absolutely <laughs> fine. But hotel, I found it again. I was out, out, out of my comfort zone. Hotels, I've never been comfortable in hotels. Because Why is that? it's, I just, do you like, do you like, Going in and using a room for whatever purpose you want to use it for, what? and you can just leave your towels on the floor. I meant, if you if you wanted I don't to, leave my towels on the floor. I don't. I, I I like the comfort of of being in in the place that I'm happy. I don't know if I'm doing the things like, that I need to do. I don't know if I like being in hotels, but I don't really. I don't feel uncomfortable in hotels. It's okay being in a hotel. But is this, ob- I presume, it's some kind of obsessiveness and control. But is this something that maybe a lot of sportsmen, I suspect so, do go through? And yeah. is it is it because of what you the, the performance levels that you're trying to achieve and the worry about it going wrong and the the team element of it? Is that, or is it just the person that you are but in that environment? You can, it can manifest in all sorts of different ways, whether it's hoovering before that, and you must be an expert in hoovers from the mid-1990s. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that in a moment. Too. I have had a variety of hoovers. I've never but, been a fan of the wet hoover, but anyway, carry on. But also, it can manifest itself in superstitions. You talked about your, your retired yeah. laces. You, you famously got on really, really well with Paul Ince, and he had his tradition, superstition of putting his shirt, always being the last player to come out and putting his shirt on at the last moment before coming out as well. He'd be is that a superstition or is it just showing off? Might, well, it might have been both, but I imagine that in showing off, he was manifesting a superstition. Okay. Superstitions or obsessive, are they, are they the same thing? Yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 I, I, in, I, in this context, they yeah. Are, yeah. I spoke to a former player turned manager who has to stir his tea exactly 20 times. Really? And the same person who was managing, I can't remember if it was the under-23s or the under-19s of a Premier League club at the time, said he would go for a 5K run before overseeing that game because he felt it gave him one-upmanship on the opposition manager. He felt that when he shook hands with that manager before the game, he'd be like, you've not been for a 5K run just now. Like those small margins, those like those controllables that you felt gave you some kind of advantage, but in reality, but it isn't, meant nothing. It isn't football that does this to people, and relatively normal people can become obsessive and behave in this yeah, way. Yeah. It, it's any stressful situation. Is that how it manifests itself? What, yeah. So mine was... Mine was hoovering, tying my shoe. And I had, a, I had a, the knee injury, I had a lot of knee injuries. At the end of my career, I used to have this strapping that I, and it was kind of, in, it had to be on in a certain way. It had to be done. In, people talk about kind of, when he, when, you remember when you used to go to, to school as well, my school socks had to be at the same level. So maybe I had this problem throughout my life. But when I put this strapping on, which it wasn't doing anything, it was just strappings on the outside of your knee. So really, I knew it wasn't doing me any good, but it had to be on and it had to be on in a certain way. So again, if I'd have carried on playing, it's a good job in many ways my career finished. Because can you imagine this? It would have taken, I wouldn't have had time to play, would I, with all the stuff that I needed to do before I stepped out on have the pitch? You, have you thought at any point whether if you'd put the strapping on in the way that the physio had told you to put it on rather than the way well, the physio was saying you don't need it. I don't care, like, put it on well, anyway. This is not the way that I like it, yes. so I'm going to move it. Might, that, have, as, might have prolonged your career. Yeah. As you well know, strapping on the knee really helps your hoover technique. So it would have been, I imagine, for that reason. Don't belittle my hoover technique. Keep your correspondence coming into setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Thank you to everybody who's 
centre mean you'll notice that it takes us time to actually get caught up with all of it uh, so thank you it's, uh, it used to be that we could uh, email a response to every single one but now not so much and if you uh, have a Reacher novel don't forget open it take a photo send it to us Andy will read it please subscribe share rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule thank you to Rory, Stephen and Andy and to you all for listening we'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed what's a wet hoover? Well, you know this. That's what we've taken from that entire conversation. Yeah, all that stuff about humanising and all the <laughs> no. problems of football's about. A wet a, hoover. What's a wet, wet hoover is the ones that obviously they, they use water. They circulate water through your carpet, so it cleans a carpet cleaner. Yeah, but yeah, but it's, it's a wet hoover basically, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, not. It's a hoover, but it uses water. <laughs> wet hoover sounds like a sex act. <laughs> to you, it might do. To you, but not to me. Wet hoover. I've never heard anyone to. Use I, the term I've not wet, heard wet hoover. wet hoover. It sounds like a carpet cleaner. It's a carpet cleaner. A rug buster. No, but there are ones that you can just use. They, they, you'd have to go to the kind of the local dry cleaners and hire this thing. I know these. I know what you're talking about. Kate these are big machines, aren't they? Yeah. And the amount of stuff that comes out of your carpet, you surprise people. If you have a carpets, clean them because the muck in there is horrendous. But anyway, you can Good advice. You good used to have to hire got carpets, them. Clean them. No, but the people don't, do they? They think, oh, it looks clean. I'll just run over a dry Hoover over it. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get the wet Hoover, not the carpet cleaner. A wet Hoover. You can buy them. You can buy them off if, the rack. If, if there is a Hoover company, not called Hoover, is there? A, if there is a vacuum cleaning company, because mm. Hoover, as we know, is a brand name. Yes. Um, if there is a, a, a carpet cleaning or indeed wet or dry Hoover company that would like to sponsor us, then please do get in touch. But no, know this. Chinch will be deciding upon the quality of yeah. your product and whether you are suitable for this very product. He's not endorsing some, some tin pot. Mom and pop outfit, is he? He's, we he talked about lawn mowers and the, the the power of the Mountfield. I think I've mentioned this. The sit on the push mowers, Mountfield are the best. Stop Mountfield that, stop for all your lawn mowing needs. <laughs> stop giving ad space away. Sorry, 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 sorry.